All right, we'll take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, we're going to see a story Jesus tells us today. Uh, we're in our last part of this series we call Pray Like Jesus. Pray Like Jesus. So we've, we've gone over three previous messages, watching Jesus pray. We just kind of did that, watched him pray, just kind of saw some of his habits and some of his own devotional practices. Then in part two, we talked about intense prayer, and we, we talked about this idea of wrestling and warfare, and saw Jesus in Gethsemane, and we heard him praying, and, and, and what was he saying? What did he say like three times? And, and, and to, with such intensity that, that blood began to, to, to come on his forehead. What did he say three times? Not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus even wrestled with all of that whole thing. And we talked about increasing the intensity in our prayers. And then last week, real important, we're going to kind of build on this uh, this week. Uh, we talked about the secret. The secret to praying like Jesus is to realize that God is our Father. That God is our Father. He, he is our Creator. He is our Judge. He, he is Lord of all. He's God Almighty. He's all of those kind of things. But His favorite name of all is Father. And he loves it when you call him father. I think uh, the, the Hebrew, the Aramaic for that is Abba, to call him daddy, father, our father. Jesus taught us to pray like that, didn't he? And then we looked at that passage in Luke 11, ask, seek, and knock. And he says, how much more, when you ask, seek, or knock, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him for it? So we talked about that last week. Let's, let's build on that particular idea of who our father is. Let's, let's talk about this idea of don't give up. Everybody say, don't give up. Luke 18 begins to talk to us about that. So in these first eight verses of Luke 18, Jesus tells us a parable. If you're not accustomed to that kind of verbiage, a parable is a short story that has an important truth attached to it. Uh, some people say it like this. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus is a master storyteller. Don't you have some favorite Jesus stories? I mean, just some of the stories he told, not, not even just his stories that, that he lived out. But he's just a master storyteller. He's a master teacher. And Jesus has got a way of taking these complicated, God-sized ideas and making them understandable. And he does it mostly by using these little stories, these parables, these short, power-packed stories. So, so today we're going to sit at the feet of the King of Heaven and Earth. We're going to hear our teacher talk to us about our Heavenly Father and how we should react to Him. Uh, so when Jesus speaks, now think about this. If you were reading this in a red letter edition, you would see most of this chapter is in red, which is the words of Jesus. When Jesus speaks, it's heaven speaking to earth. And let's get more personal than that. It's heaven speaking to you. It's God speaking to you. So listen what he, to what he says. He's revealing to us the way things work, or maybe even more appropriately, the way things should work. All right, so let's read the first eight verses of Luke 18, this is called the parable of the persistent widow. I, I forgot for a second. I, I, just, I, I looked at several different titles for it. The parable of the persistent widow. Jesus, it says, Then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, here's the story. There was a certain city, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. 
Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? All right, let's pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Jesus, we thank you for your words. We just pray that you make it our bread today. You'd, you'd teach us. You'd speak to us. You'd help us, Lord. Uh, we're living in a difficult situation, difficult season of life, especially in our country and in many of our lives, Lord. We're going through troubles and all kinds of things, and we need the kind of faith that just will not quit, the kind of faith that will keep trusting you even in the storms of life. Bless our time together, Holy Spirit, speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so right off the bat, Luke jumps right in and he tells us the meaning of this story. So it's interesting. He tells you the meaning and then he tells you the story. And here's the meaning. People always ought to pray and not lose heart. Say that with me. People always ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, some of you didn't even talk. Some of you didn't even read. I heard Miss Pat. Let's do this one more time. People always ought to pray and not lose heart. That's the lesson. That's the whole lesson of the parable. Now he's going to tell us the parable. So Jesus gives us encouragement here to not give up, to not quit, especially not quit praying. Don't stop praying. He wants us to stay faithful, to keep praying, to keep believing God, knowing that God will do the right thing by us. You know that? So people always ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, it could also be kind of interpreted like this. If people pray the way Jesus teaches us to pray, they will not lose heart. That's a true statement. If we learn to pray. So, so if we're given the remedy of, of a fainting heart or a failing heart or a, a weakening, weakened courage or a weakened faith. We're given the remedy. The remedy for us is to pray. Is to stay connected, stay close to our Heavenly Father. And if we stay close to our Heavenly Father, no matter what happens in our life, we will overcome. You believe that? That's what Jesus is teaching us. So in order for us to make it in this sin-sick world, you've got to be plugged into another world. Jesus calls that world the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Because, beloved, if all you do is breathe this polluted, poisonous air of this world... And taking all the poisonous stuff that, that causes us to get anxiety and causes us to be discouraged. If all you're getting is the polluted, poisonous stuff of this world, your soul will get sick. Your courage will leave, your peace will fade, and your faith will be weakened. I can promise you. And ask me how I know that. So we have to breathe in. So we, we're, we're taking in all this poisonous mess around us. Sometimes not even on purpose. Sometimes it's just there. Instead of all of that, we need to breathe in the pure, unpolluted air from heaven on a daily. You need the breath of heaven on a daily basis. You need a constant intake of word and wind, word and spirit. You need a constant intake just to even counteract. I'm not even talking about growing and being healthy. I'm just even talking about counteracting. You need a lot. And if, if we want to grow and become more like Jesus, you need even more. No wonder Jesus prayed morning, evening, all throughout the day. No wonder he was going all night prayer. No wonder. He, he, he learned this. He knew this. He knew for him to be the Messiah and for him to do what he needed to do, he had to stay plugged into God, his Father. All right. So men ought always to pray and not to faint is what the old King James said. So now that made me ask a question. 
What causes people to quit? I mean, even to give up, give up even on God, to faint. What, what causes people to lose heart? And I just kind of listed some things. You know, tough times will cause you to do that, won't they? Some folks just get that gut punch. And man, some things are just horrific. Just got off the phone yesterday with a good friend of mine. Lives in Jackson, Mississippi. His wife just passed away a couple years ago. And he's, he's widowed. And he said, Pastor, thank you for calling. It was kind of the anniversary of her death, and I knew that. And, and he said, it's been tough. It's been tough. That kind of pain will cause you to lose your breath sometimes, won't it? That kind of pain is for real. It's for real. So, so tough times. And, and not just the tough times personally, but the tough times of, of these last days that we're living in. In Luke 17, the, the chapter just before this, in fact, just the saying just before this, Jesus spoke about the tough times of the last days. The phrase, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Men will be eating, drinking, and doing all their party, and doing all their business, and all their commerce, and all the immorality, they'll just keep going and deeper into the immorality, but they'll just keep going about their business. So it will be when the Son of Man comes. And he says it's also going to be like it was in the days of Lot. Remember the days of Lot? On our Wednesday night Bible study, we're about to get to the story of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what he's talking about. What was it like in the days of Lot when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, the, the, the city was so ungodly and so unrighteous and so immoral and so perverted and so sin-sick that there was not even one person in there that was righteous. Save Lot. Now think about that. It's going to be that way in the coming of the Son of Man. You think about it in the days of Noah. There were only eight people in the whole world rescued. That's pretty... That's not good odds. I wouldn't have made the boat probably. That, that's, that's a big deal. In the days of Lot, there was only four that were rescued out. One of them dried up like a pillar of salt because she looked back. And in that passage right there, remember Lot's wife? You know that, that verse that you memorized as a child and you've kept that with you? you got two verses you've memorized. Remember Lot's wife and Jesus wept. you got those two down, right? <laughs> that's the two shortest verses in the New Testament. Remember Lot's wife. That's all in that whole deal. Because she looked back because she longed for Sodom and all that it offered. In case you don't know the Bible, the Bible story, Sodom and Gomorrah is one of those places that's exemplary of evil and immorality and perversion. Hmm. So in these last days when it's going to be, be even tougher for us to serve God, we're seeing some of that over the last couple of years. It's gotten real tough and, and, and all of council culture has come down upon the church and pressing down and trying to get us to change our, our teachings and trying to get us to lose our convictions and pressing on us. And, and many have folded. You know that. I mean, not just many. I'm talking about entire denominations of churches with leaders and pastors and priests and all those kind of things have folded to all of this last day pressure. So, beloved, my question to you is, how are you going to survive? That's what Jesus says. How, how, are, you going, how are you not going to faint? How are you not going to quit and, and lose heart and just have, have the life just basically drained out of you? How are you not going to quit? And tough times can only be endured by people who are walking close to God. There's a reason Noah made it. Because Noah walked with God. You see. So there's tough times. Well, there's, there's sin struggles. Believers have sin struggles. You know that, don't you? We've all had our bouts. 
The fight's probably not over. There are sin struggles and sinful habits that cause us to, to give up, especially when it comes to addictive type things and, and, and even believers that have problems and sinful habits and things. And sometimes it just takes the life right out of us and we say, well, I'll never get rid of that. What's the use? It happens. What causes people to quit? Quit praying, quit, quit being devoted to God, quit being faithful. Pressure, persecution, pain, loss, all of that stuff. What about delays and disappointments? Yeah, they're big. And how you handle your delays and disappointments will determine how you move forward in God, too. Because they will come. There'll be plenty of them. And maybe the last reason, there's probably a bunch more, but the last one I listed right here is what causes people to give up and faint, quit, lose heart? Unanswered prayer. Jesus is kind of talking a little bit about that today. Unanswered prayer. Why? Why am I, Why are you not listening? Why are you not answering? Why are you not healing? Why are you not moving? Why are you not doing this? And then I give you too many details because it's super duper personal, but I went through a season in my life where as a pastor, I got really upset with God. Nobody knew what was going on, save a couple people. And I was asking God. I mean, this is how I got on the outs with him. For, for, it, it, it was about a two-year deal. And I got on the outs with God because things weren't... And it wasn't like I was asking to win the lottery. You know what I'm talking about? I wasn't asking for that $500 million. Although that'd be nice, but that wouldn't have solved this problem. I could have had $5 million and still had this problem. And I wasn't asking anything unreasonable, but things weren't changing. Things were actually progressing in the wrong direction. And they just kept going in the wrong direction. And God wouldn't answer. And God wouldn't... Do what I felt was reasonable. We got on the outs for a little bit. Anybody ever had that kind of problem? Hmm. Just stick around. Because some days you got to put on, put on your seatbelt. You know what I'm talking about? So, so I'll, I'll, why, why, why are you taking so long? You know, unanswered prayer, that, that's a big one. So, why, why doesn't God answer prayers sometimes? Or at least the way I want him to. Why, why doesn't he? Well, just a few little reasons. Is what I'm praying God's will? Is it God's will? See, I, I had to learn this. And this wasn't that long ago. It's in the last 15 years. I had to learn this. That prayer is not me getting God to do what I want him to do. Prayer is more about getting myself in the position to where God can do what he wants to do. It goes back to that Gethsemane thing about it's it's not about me having my will, it's about me taking my will and conforming it to God's will. And that takes a minute sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? Depending on what the situation calls for and what God's calling you to do or what what, what just whatever's happening. It may take a long time. Hmm. I remember the season of life when, when I was in college and I, I had I mean it was it was major league baseball or go preach. Major League Baseball, go preach. And, and I, I wanted it right in the middle. I wanted both of them. I wanted to have a baseball in one hand and a Bible in the other. And, and God just said, that's not my plan for you. You want to talk about a tough season. Now, that may not be anything big deal for you, but that was my whole life. And it took me about a year to wrestle that out with God. Just that, that one decision that would chart the course of my life is a huge one now. It took me a long time. Lots of sweat and lots of tears. Lots of questions. 
Lots of wrestling, if we could call it like that. Is it God's will? Often takes time. See, it's like it's like synchronizing watches. Y'all ever done that? Like synchronize? Well, we don't have to anymore. The phones synchronize themselves. But used to, we, if we went to like amusement park or something, and we we're gonna split up, we say, "All right, put your watch right here. It's three o'clock right now. We're gonna meet right back here at five o'clock." You hear me? You ever do that kind of thing way back old school when they had watches? You know, like watches. Like, like this is a watch, and it actually has hands on it. It's not like digital or nothing. It actually has hands, and it's got a little thing that moves right here. It's pretty cool. Kind of antique, ain't it? <laughs> and it's not named after a fruit or something or something you do. It's just a watch, you know. It just tells time. It's amazing. It's just, it's just real simple. Doesn't have all them functions. You can't call NASA on it. You know, it's just a watch. Anyway, we, we synchronize our watches. Well, I thought about that with, with God. Sometimes we just got to synchronize. We got to get on the same page. So that's why we need wind and spirit every day. We need wind and word every day. We need it every day because I got to get synchronized with Him. I got to get on the same page today with Him, with the, with the business, with the kids, with the, with with the ball, with with the, all all the stuff that's going on, with the job, I, with with the wife and the husband. I got to get synchronized with Him. On, what are you doing today? I, I got to get. So when we pray, is it God's will? Or are we synchronized with His will? Sometimes it takes a minute. I wish it was as easy as putting watches together and turning a little knob. And I wish it was that easy. But sometimes my prayers don't get answered because it's not that God needs to get in the right place. It's that I, I need to get in a better place. You know what I'm talking about? And now how come it is? See, we have gotten so arrogant and so self-exalted that every time something goes wrong, well, I say this for some of us, when things go wrong, we automatically assume there's something wrong with God. I can about tell you, there's not, but I can about promise you, there's probably something wrong with you. Isn't that, isn't that true? See, God taught Israel this. This is where we learned this in the Old Testament. Israel knew that when things went wrong, it was not a problem with God, it was a problem with them. The prophets tell us this all the time. You're going to have good crops, you do the right thing. If you don't do the right thing, you know them locusts and all them storms and all that mess is coming, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eat you alive. So get yourself right. Get back in the right. Get back online. All right. So is it God's will? Uh, another idea is, is it God's timing? Now, this is where we struggle a lot. Is it God's timing? Because God didn't, doesn't always say yes, and he doesn't always say no. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he gives you that yellow light. Just yield. Just slow down. But we live in a world with instant stuff, microwave stuff, and quick stuff, and instantaneous stuff. And if that browser on that internet doesn't pop up right then, and you know, we will put our foot through the computer. <laughs> I know the feeling. But we're all in this instantaneous thing, and we often bring that into our relationship with God and relationship with people. And we're so impatient and so faithless when it comes to God. We want it now, and we want it right now. But I can tell you, there's a phrase in the Bible that is repeated time and time and time and time again. Hundreds of times. Wait upon the Lord. It's over and over and over and over. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon Him. Hmm. That challenges us. challenges me. So, other idea about unanswered prayer, sometimes there's a spiritual battle that must be fought. Daniel kind of teaches us this. 
The angel said, I came immediately with the answer, but, but when I came to give you the answer, the, the prince of Persia fought against me, and there was this spiritual battle over you getting your answer. And our minds just go, really? <laughs> yes, really. So sometimes, I, I kind of look at it like this. Sometimes I, I picture a dark veil that, that the answer is on the other side. And I picture a dark veil, and, and my praying and my faithfulness and my devotion is pulling away at that veil. It's, it's punching at that veil. It's punching at that veil. And if I continue soon, that will break and light will come forth. That's just some, some kind of way I look at it. Now, you can look at it some other kind of way maybe. But I see it. Sometimes it's, it's, it's veiled. Things are ba- And I've got to fight through all of that darkness and all that stuff. And there's a spiritual battle that's waged in our prayers. Hmm. And the last idea of unanswered prayer is this. Sometimes... God doesn't answer your request because he's got something better in mind. You know what I'm talking about? That it's, it's, it's not what he wants. He, he's got something better. He, so it may take some time to get the situation ready. It may take some time to get the situation prepared. God has something better in store. And that takes me to Ephesians 3.20. Listen to this. New Testament truth right here. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now that's a sentence right there. I mean, that's just part of a sentence. There's really a comma there and it goes into three more verses, I think, in the sentence. Paul can write a sentence. And In fact, I mean, some of Paul's whole letters are just like one sentence. <laughs> it seems like. But listen to this. So who we're talking to? We're talking to the God who can do above and he will do above whatever I'm asking and whatever I'm thinking and imagining. Because, I, see, I may ask a lot of stuff, but my mind has, is, I got an imagination now. And God will answer above. God will always, kind of like parents do children. A child may ask for a particular thing in their mindset and where their perspective is. But you as a parent will exceed that, Right? You exceed it. Remember this about God concerning this verse right here. God is too wise to be wrong. He's never been wrong. He's not going to start with you. God is too wise to be wrong and God loves you too much to be cruel. You hear what I'm talking about? And I don't, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes we, we just have to understand it better by and by is what the old song says. Remember that? By and by, by and by, we'll understand it better by and by. You know that kind of thing? And I, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why certain things have to happen. I don't know why certain things you have to go through and certain things you have to suffer and why certain people are not with us anymore. I, I don't have those kind of answers and I have to just trust that there's a God who knows better than I do and I, I just have to keep my knee bowed to Him and say, Lord, what, what You will is what I want. And through my tears and through my pain and through the blood that's sweating off of my brow and my pain and suffering and loss, though You slay me. I'll still trust you. But that's some faith in it. So Jesus dives right into this struggle. And he shows us how to handle these difficult, perilous times. This is the parable of the persistent widow. The reason I got confused earlier about it, it's also called the parable of the unjust judge. And I was going to say it's the parable of the unjust widow. <laughs> and I, I was, I was, my mind just went... Y'all don't know how hard this is up here. You just had no idea. 
especially my mind is going here, there, and I'm watching you, and you're moving around, and you got this going over here, and this happening over here, and I'm looking at you, and you look like you're sour, and you didn't get that. I don't know if I agree with that, preacher. Huh? And, you, and I, it's tough. It's tough on my mind. <laughs> Y'all ain't appreciating. <laughs> no, it's a, the parable of the persistent will. It's a story of contrast. Okay? It's not a story of comparison. Jesus tells a lot of comparative stories where he's laying out and said the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Life is like this farmer that goes and sows his seed and all that kind of... He does all those comparisons. This is just the opposite. This is a story of contrast. This is to show you the absolute wrong way it's done versus the right way it's done. So that, that's how some people get the wrong interpretation of this. And maybe when you read it, you read it this morning or last night... You said, ah, man, I don't know. I don't get this. What's, what's he got? Preacher's going to have to help me out with this. Some get the interpretation. If I just keep pestering God, if I just keep bothering God, I'll eventually get what I want. Actually, the opposite is true. You, you know that pestering, bothering thing? You know that kind of thing? It, it, like a child. Like a child, a child, they get a one-track mind on something, and, and if they get any kind of idea that you're going to stop at Dairy Queen and get some ice cream, uh, they will bother the mess out of you. Or, or maybe it's something that you don't want to give them ice cream. Now, today's not ice cream day. Today's broccoli day. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's that eat your vegetables kind of day, and you, you're like, no, we're not, going, we're not getting any ice cream today. You're not getting any ice cream today. And the kid comes up. What's the kid do five minutes later? Hey, Mama, can I have some ice cream? No, I told you you can't have no ice cream. Okay, kid goes away. 30 seconds later, hey, mama, can I have some ice cream? Ice cream, 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 ice cream. And they just absolutely manipulate the whole situation until they get their way. <laughs> Does anybody know how that works? Yeah, anybody that's had children knows how that works, right? But that, that kind of thing's not good, and it's not necessary, especially in God's presence. Manipulation is never a good thing. And I tell you what, now, I, I was raised, I, I know I got a lot, a lot of old school mom stories, but they're true. That little nice woman y'all met, that is not the woman that raised me. She was rough and mean, and, and she was five foot tall and don't know it. She's a giant in a, in a, in a small body. When she told me no, she meant no. And I'm telling you, what, when my mama, she kind of broke me of all that manipulation stuff. If mama said, boy, don't you ask me one more time. Or else I'm going to blister your behind. Y'all know what blister is? Yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> she was saying, boy, I'm, you, you ask me one more time, I'm going to blister your behind. And now mama wasn't the kind of mama now that keeps, you know, the kid... I told you to quit doing that. I, I told you next time you do that. And then the kid comes. Boy, I'll tell you what. Mama wasn't like that. It wasn't no three strikes, you're out. It was one and you're done. I'm for real. So if mama said, you, you no. No ice cream today. And you come back and she said, if you come back one more time, I'm going to bless you behind. Guess what? There wasn't no ice cream in my future. She, I don't, it didn't matter if we was in, well, it was like Ben Franklin back then. It wasn't Walmart. Walmart didn't even exist. We was in the store, TGNY. You remember TGNY? Ben Franklin, we go in there. It, it didn't make no difference if we was right in the middle of Big Star. That's a grocery store. It didn't make no difference. I mean, if she told me she was going to blister my behind, it happened right there in the milk aisle. 
Why was she teaching me? That's all silly story, but what was she teaching me? There's no need. She has my best interest in mind, and there's no need for me to manipulate her on anything. And she wasn't going to put up with no manipulative child. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like that. that you, you don't have to be that way. You don't have to bother. All right, so, so here's the story. Here's the story. You got a judge and you got a widow. Okay, this judge. This judge. They, they, they were a little bit different back in those days. Uh, they were kind of circuit judges. There wasn't a big courthouse in the, in the square at this particular time in history. During Jesus' day, these judges would come into town and they would be like a circuit judge. They'd go to this town for this days and, and the next town for the next few days. And they would do their little circuit, which is where we get the idea of circuit judge from these guys traveling around doing their thing. So they, they were circuit judges, and they would go into a town, and they would set up their tents, and that would be their courtroom, basically. And at, at the gate of the court that they would have, they would have their assistance, security and things like that, that would be out there out front. And what would have to happen in order for you to get a, a hearing with the judge, you would have to deal with those assistants. Now you would have to promise to pay them a bribe, and you would have to promise that when the judge hears you, you will take care of the judge as well. And all of this court system was known to be corrupt and known to be full of this bribe-taking stuff that God's Word speaks very strongly against when it comes to judges. It says about this judge that, that he even said this to himself. He said, I, I don't fear God. I, if he had modern vernacular, I, I don't even believe in God. That's what he would say. I don't fear God. He had no regard for people. He could care less about you and your situation. He had a job to do and he was punching a clock and he was taking money. So this judge, he's corrupt, he's ungodly, he's unjust, and he has zero love for anybody. That's that's the picture Jesus paints of this judge. Okay, now, now we've got this widow who's in the town that the judge is in. And the widow comes because she's got a problem. She's got some kind of legal dispute. It may be over a property boundary that somebody has crossed over. Maybe a financial situation. Whatever it is, it's a legal dispute she has. And there's a problem with the widow. Her being a woman is a problem in that particular day and age. That she would not be able to get any kind of hearing with the judge. And she's a widow, so that puts her way down on the social status. And she has no husband to go in her defense. Nobody will go. And likely, she's very poor. So what does it mean? Okay, you got a system that runs on money and bribes and all that kind of stuff, and you are broke. So what does that mean? You ain't getting no justice. You're not getting anything. Some of that system's still around today, isn't it? What are they saying? Money talks, suckers walk. Know what they say? It was true in this situation for sure. And there's an adversary. Somebody is doing her wrong. There's something coming, somebody coming against her trying to take advantage of her and her situation. But this old girl, you got to like her now. She just won't quit. Her character is presented to us as somebody who is persistent and tenacious and will absolutely not give up. So it says this, that the judge... He refuses to hear her. He, he, he doesn't even come out of the tent. You know, he's not going to deal with that. Not her. Not, not, not going to deal with her. Look. Hey, boys, you go out there and you tell that woman it's not happening today. 
till they come back the next day. You tell that woman it's not happening today. And she comes back the next afternoon. It, it's not happening. And he constantly refuses to hear her. And th- this, is, this is what it says. That, the, that, that she keeps coming. And she keeps coming. And she keeps coming. And she keeps coming. And she keeps pressing on him. She keeps trying to get an answer. I need justice in this situation. Help me. Get me out of it. Make this situation right. She keeps coming. Day after day after day, she sees him at, at, at the cafe. Hey, hey, man. Hey, you know, I, was, I didn't get the chance to talk to you the other day. But look, look. She, he's No. She, she sees him down at Piggly Wiggly. She goes down there and she's like, oh, there he is right there. He's getting groceries. Let me go see him. He's over in the, in the meat aisle. Hey, hey, man, it's me. Hey, I need your help. I need you to make this right. She keeps seeing him time after time. She keeps bothering him and coming after him. She's persistent. And here's here's the deal. This man says, though I don't fear God, nor regard men, this woman keeps troubling me. Literally, in, in the original language, it says, this woman is beating on me like somebody giving me a black eye. That's what that's literally the picture. She keeps troubling me. Okay, okay, okay. You win. You are wearing me out. Okay. So that's the judge and the widow. Now, now, okay. Now, is is Jesus going to tell us that if I just absolutely wear God out and keep going after Him time and time and time and time again, over and begging, 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 that I'll finally get what I want? No, no, no. He's actually telling us just the opposite. Here, here's the comparison between the judge and God. That's, that's where it is. It, it's, it's actually a contrast. Jesus is telling us, even this ungodly, corrupt judge will eventually hear this woman out and do the right thing. And he says, God is your father. God loves you. God really wants what's best for you. God wants what's right for you. God wants what's good for you. And the comparison, the contrast is this. How much more, if this judge will finally break down and hear, how much more will God hear you? Even if it takes a minute, even if it takes a while, he'll still struggle with us. Even if it takes a while, God will hear you. You hear what I'm talking about? So if even a, a, a wicked man will do this, it's kind of the same same. Uh, idea where Jesus says, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father? This unjust, ungodly man will finally do the right thing if he's bothered enough. How much more will your heavenly father, who literally sent his own son to die in your place and shed his blood for you, how much more will he hear you when you pray? This is what Jesus is getting to. You tracking? I got to make sure you catch up. You got it? So now, who's the widow? Well, the widow's kind of in comparison to us, or contrast to us. I keep saying comparison, but contrast. The, the widow versus the believer. See, the widow, she, she has no standing. She, she has no audience. She has no card to pull, so to speak. She has no rank. She has no influence. But, but listen to me. You as a believer, you know what you are? 
You are a son and daughter of the Lord Most High. You are a son and daughter of the King of all kings. That's, that's who you are. She has no standing. You have every right and standing in Christ. She has no standing. You and I, beloved, if we're in Christ Jesus, we are literally heirs of the kingdom of God. We have been brought into the royal family of the kingdom of God, and we are an heir to the very kingdom of God. So we have standing. She has no access. Because of Jesus, God is our Father, and we have complete access through Jesus. Complete access. We talked about that a little bit last week. So this widow, she has to keep nagging and begging. You? Jesus didn't say nothing about beg. He said, when you come to your father, just ask. Ask him. Ask. You don't have to beg God for nothing. But you do have to ask. But not beg. Hmm. And here's the faith where Jesus is taking us. If we ask our Heavenly Father that we should have the kind of faith to know that God is working on it. You hear what I'm talking about? See, beloved, faith is not just believing that God will do something. Faith is believing that God is doing something. Like He's active. He's, he, he's right now at work on whatever the situation is. For your good and for His glory. You hear what I'm talking about? She has to beg. This contrast is, you don't have to beg. Just talk to God about it. Ask Him. All right. And the last contrast is this. She comes to this throne of law. Built on This particular situation will be built on the laws of man. Guess what we get to come to? We don't come to the throne of law. The writer of Hebrews, he calls the throne of God, he calls it the throne of grace. Say that with me. The throne of grace. The throne of grace. Now look, look at what he says. Hebrews 4.16. He says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I, I don't know if you've ever been in a courtroom, like a for real courtroom. I have. Several times couple for myself and once for I mean I've, I've gone and witnessed and character testimonies for people and all that kind of stuff and it's tough to give a character testimony to somebody you know is guilty as all get out that's tough <laughs> but just being in that you ever been in that courthouse I mean when I'm talking about not not just to go get your license renewed or something like that but I'm talking about when something's on the line you ever gone into a courtroom it is not a pretty place it ain't fun it ain't pretty it's tense. There's hatred in the air. You got two people at odds with each other that might do some serious damage to each other if they could. And you got cops sitting there just waiting and watching and making sure everybody acts halfway decent. Miss Janice got to go in there every day. God bless her. Y'all need to pray for that woman for a couple different reasons. <laughs> that would be one of them. Jerry Brown might be another one. No, it's a, sorry, Jerry. He's probably watching us. That's a tense situation. You just hate to even go there to those kind of places because it just stresses you out just even walking in the door. You know, I mean, first of all, you got to walk through a metal detector. Good gosh. And they make you, somebody frisk you and they take all your stuff out of your pocket. See, I don't like them kind of places already. 
We, we don't come to that kind of place. We get to step right into the throne room of heaven with full access, welcomed by our Heavenly Father because of Jesus. And we can find help with whatever we need to find help with. You hear what I'm talking about? So Jesus asked the question in closing, to close out the story. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, or Jesus would say, when I return, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find faith on the earth? This kind of faith, like, like a faith that won't give up. The kind of faith that knows that God heard when you prayed. The kind of faith that knows that God will answer according to his good time and his good purpose. The kind of faith that knows that God will make things right, even though it may take a minute. It, it may even go past my lifetime. I don't know. Some things will. A strong, quiet, at rest kind of faith that just simply trusts God. I'm, I'm talking about the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about is, is the kind of faith that, that says, I don't have to control the outcome. I'm going to trust my Father with that. You, talk, you know what I'm talking about? So Jesus said, if you, if you learn to live like that, in that kind of faith, you won't quit praying. You'll find strength from another world. So Jesus' admonition to us is don't quit. Don't quit praying. Don't give up. Stay faithful. Stay connected to God. And God will take care of things. He will always do what's right by you. You understand that? I mean, can, can you track with that? That's the kind of faith he wants us to have. We're not trying to beg and manipulate. Get our way. I've done that. And God taught me a bunch of lessons with that. You know, sometimes God gave me my way. Just to show me it wasn't the right way. So let, let me ask you this question. When Jesus returns, will, will he find this kind of faith at Mosley Bridge? When, I mean, Jesus seems to be in question about it. When, when I, will, is anybody going to believe me? Or will it be in the days of Noah? There's eight folks in the whole world. Three folks in the days of life. When Jesus comes to your house, will he find that kind of faith? Just simply trust God? Are we praying about it? Yeah, we keep praying about it, actually. I, it's, it's, it's not that it, I, I don't think this kind of faith is just the kind of faith where we just ask and we leave it right there and, and we don't ever think about it again now some things I do that with God but other things you know especially over things like big things like your kids and all eternity and all that kind of thing God I just want to bring this before you again I ask him again is that okay is it okay to ask God again sure maybe I'm just helping me I don't know but I don't ever have to take the posture of begging. Because he loves me. You understand? So Lord, when you come back, 
I pray you'd find us in this kind of faith.